Welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Today's episode was recorded at Lambeth Palace, home of the Archbishop of Canterbury in London, where Simon Barrington interviewed Simon Lewis, Dean of St Anselm Community. Today on the Forge Leadership Podcast, I'm joined by Simon Lewis. Simon, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Now, we're sat in in Lambeth Palace, uh, where you're the Dean of St Anselm Community. Tell us a little bit about the community, its history, and, and where we are today as well. Yeah, um, so the community is uh, situated here at the palace, like you say. It lives within the life of the palace here. It was brought in um, about a year after Archbishop Justin arrived. He uh, saw in arriving that he wanted to do something different in this space. The story goes that um, he was sat with Sam Wells, the vicar of St Martin in the Fields, and they were unpacking boxes, putting books out, and Sam said, what on earth are you going to do with all this space? (laughs) Yeah? And Justin said, I'm going to fill it with young people. Okay. So within a year of that conversation, yeah. we started to begin the community. Yeah. Um, so we're on our third cohort yet now. So we had three different groups. We have about 30 members in each group who come each year, 15 of which live here in the community's yeah. life. They live yeah. part of the palace's life. Yeah. And 15 or so or 20 who are actually living and working outside in London and integrating their spiritual formation within their working life. Okay. And, and was the model was the community modelled on a particular community elsewhere in the world? Does the name St Anson have any any relevance <laughs> to what you call yourself? <laughs> Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, me. of course. So St Anselm um, was uh, one of the early archbishops. So uh, uh, and we're resonating with his particular passion for prayer and study and service and learning, well, particularly prayer and study. Yeah. So we're drawing back on that kind of tradition. And in fact, the community draws from a lot of different historical traditions in that regard. We've been talked about in regard to the new monastic movement. We're not really a monastic community in one sense, but actually that's part of our life and traditions here as well. We uh, share our life here with Chemin Neuf, which are a French Roman Catholic yeah. ecumenical movement. So, and they are, um, share life together in community. Yeah. And we have gained some of the benefit of their wisdom and experience in setting up this community because they are also were invited by the Archbishop in 2014 to come here and provide um, the spiritual hub of the palace's life um, in that regard. Archbishop Justin, his focus on unity of Christians and this community as well as their community, that's one of the shared passions we have. So there's quite a lot of streams, as you can yeah, hear, coming yeah, out about yeah, what, what we do. Yeah, yeah. We connect with the other religious communities within the UK, so other monastic communities, monks and nuns in other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, lots of traditions that come from them we're drawing on, but it's expressed in a different way. I suppose it's expressed in a more modern way, maybe, in a way which is resonating more clearly in this current time. Brilliant. So what kind of people come and live in the community and how long do they come here for and how do you go about selecting them? As well? Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, well, of course, we're, so we're interviewing at the moment, so okay. it's crazy because all these people from different time zones, because yeah. we've got people from North America, South America, Africa, Asia, you know, across the spectrum, across the diversity of religious traditions as well. Um, so from Baptists to Pentecostals to Roman Catholics, yeah. you know, we have that full mix yeah. within it. People apply online at the website at synanselm.org.uk they go through an online application process there's two or three stages to that plus an interview so it's not it's not an easy process for people to go through because actually living here in community with other people from a diversity of traditions Mm. is actually quite hard work so what do you look for in the character of individuals who are applying if you like what what, what, what are you trying to uh, find in them uh, in particular I think what we're seeing is have people got that true heart for 
living in community with others and through that community finding more of Christ in themselves Christ in each other rubbing against each other in ways which are sometimes hard but which enable each other to understand how Christ is present here in the world so it's it's that heart to come alongside each other that really is at the the key Um, yes people usually have a passion for prayer yes they usually have a passion uh, and have been very involved in their church lives in other ways Um, yes often some of them are thinking about ordination some of them are thinking about where their calling is going but actually primarily we've been a movement for lay people people who aren't going to be going in those directions necessarily or going to be going back into their workplaces but so much more firmly rooted in Christ that they stick with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And some people actually don't come and live in, actually in as part of the community, do mm. they? They kind of come in on a Monday and a Saturday. A no, that's or, right. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that, for those guys, you know, they've got a real, the real challenge of integrating their working life alongside this element of spiritual formation. As you say, they're, they belong to our community just as much as those people who are immersed in it here, sharing life on site. But they join us on a Monday night for a time where we share together with teaching. Um, Simon, you've brought some teaching to us the other week and leadership, which was fantastic. Um, It's a time where we can cross-fertilize between the experiences um, um, of those different communities. It's for people who live outside, as I said, they're working, usually quite high-stress jobs, quite long hours in terms of of what they're doing, and we're asking them to to fold into that life a focus on where God is calling them to, on building up spiritual practices in their lives which will sustain them, um, on finding ways of um, understand how God is present for them in their working life. So tell me a little bit about the the rhythms that you have here as a a community, your daily and weekly and uh, monthly rhythms that seek to build in those spiritual disciplines uh, into people's lives. What's the week look like for them? For those who who share the community here on site, they have a very structured weekly pattern um, of daily prayer. We are involved with the pattern of prayer here at the palace, which is morning prayer at 8.30, uh, daily Eucharist at 12.30, and evening prayer at 5.30, which is the BCP, so it's the old language, so that's pretty tough for those coming overseas. You know, why do we stick to those patterns? Well, actually, we can find great richness in those. Um, traditional forms of worship and liturgical forms but that's not the only ways we were we worship together we also um, uh, worship together in charis- much more charismatic ways of worship songs um, in that regard for those who live on site they have two hours of silent prayer a day and on a Wednesday up until two o'clock they'll be in silence with that whole morning with a desert morning we call it focused on on asking what's God doing for me this week what's he speaking to me at this moment in, in my life um, for those who are living here, they on a Thursday and Friday they go out to serve in local charities okay. with this other element of our life, which yeah. is about service. Yeah. Um, and on a Tuesday they will be having some form of study, some sort of theological education normally, but integrated in the practice of their service and their prayer life. Um, the integrated members, those who live outside, who yeah. are working, yeah. we're asking them to formulate those patterns of prayer into their daily life to find time each day to read the bible we all read the same scriptural verses every day to find each day time to pray um, to find um, uh, over the pattern the time to come in on the monday night as i said and share food together and share community life together one saturday a month 
they come in and we usually look at one of the spiritual traditions, maybe the Benedictine or the Franciscan, yeah. some of the kind of great traditions of the church's history yeah. um, in that regard. And then we, ask, we have three retreats which are shared together okay. over the year, one of which is a seven-day silent retreat that happens. Um, seven days of silence. Seven days of silence. Wow. Yeah, it's a huge moment for yeah, people sure. to stop. Yeah. I mean, for many people, you know, they've barely had a couple of hours of silence, let alone seven days. Um, to understand where they are with God, yeah. who God is to them, yeah. that he loves them yeah. and is mercy for them, yeah. to understand the sin in our lives and the challenges in our lives, yeah. so in a sense to reset, to get straight. Yeah. Yeah. And then from that moment to really see where God yeah. is taking us and calling us yeah. in those moments. So those uh, retreats punctuate the year. There's one at the beginning almost, there's one in the middle, and there's one at the end. Are they all silent retreats? So only the middle ones in silence. Okay. So it also gives us yeah. a chance to share as a community, a share some time away as a community, to build community. The first retreat is about the Holy Spirit. Okay. You can imagine I've talked about the different traditions we come yeah. from as a community. Yeah. Actually, you know, understanding how we share or experience the Holy Spirit together is such a powerful moment of displaying Christian unity and also enabling God to, to take us into new positions and new understandings of what he has for us, yeah. in, both in our personal lives and in terms of maybe what the church should be seeking to, to bring. Yeah. What might God's kingdom look like um, in our current world, in our current situation? The final retreat for those who are living outside, who are working in their daily lives, integrated members, is about calling a vocation in their work life. Okay. So very specifically, actually about saying, okay, well, well what's next? What is God calling to you to over the longer term in where you are, where you are right now? What is your vocation? But that can be in a corporate setting corporate or set. a, a church setting. It can be a whole variety of things. You're not calling everybody out to, to live in community like this forever. It's rather equipping them to serve in the world with a set of spiritual disciplines that enable them to continue to practice that once they've left. Is that, is that right? You're absolutely right, yeah. Um, that's exactly what we're, we're seeking to do because actually really, like I said, at the heart of Archbishop Justice's vision here is not a whole load of people who are tucked away somewhere yeah. praying for the church. Not that we don't think that's really important. Yeah. And actually, a few people come from our community and they go off to find a vow for religious life, okay. and, which is brilliant, but that's yeah. the minority. Yeah. Actually, what most people are finding is a call back to the world, yeah. a call into what God is doing in the world, as you yeah. said, in serving in the world, in really finding God more in the normal places yeah. that we are, yeah. in those everyday settings, in our workplace, in the context of being in the cafe, in our family environments. How can God be more present in that? How can we, when we're in those difficult situations, we're in a difficult meeting, you know, and actually you're fed up with all those people around you and you think, <laughs> my goodness, I'm banging my head against a brick wall. Yeah. How do we stop? Yeah. Ask Jesus to come in yeah. and transform that moment yeah. and uh, enable us to see in a whole new, different way. Yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah. very powerful. Now, what kind of transformation do you see in the lives of the young people who come through the community yeah. over the whole time that they're here? What, what changes happen in them that are observable? To you. I'm sure there are some that are not observable. What, but what, what changes happen that are observable to you? Yeah, the blessing of walking alongside people in that sense, as you say, is you do get to see those changes, and some of them are quite small differences. Yeah. Um, the diversity of our community means for many they experience huge challenges in seeing other traditions and having to be broaden themselves out, throw away all those preconceptions 
even about their other Christian brothers and sisters, and to, to re-find a God which is uh, um, uh, open uh, and, um, in a sense, available. For, for many, we see deep healing, deep, deep healing. And what's shocking, you know, people in their 20s and the trauma that's often coming out from their experiences of life. A great challenge, I think, and, you know, there's been a lot of conversation in the media about mental health in young people, yeah. but we see this pattern of these scenarios, that it's a, it's a huge theme. But what we find in the community's life, through the retreats and the practices, that people are being freed from these things, freed from these burdens. They're finding a fresh a God who is seeking them and giving them hope uh, and trans personal transformation in their lives, freeing them from difficult family circumstances, enabling them to reconcile with their families, reconcile with their friends and colleagues in certain areas, enabling them to see God's call on their life, to really push them into those calls as well in that sense to go on to, to really see a bigger vision of the possibilities in life in that regard so it's it's a really multifaceted sense of transformation said right from those kind of just small little moments of our prejudices right through these kind of big healing elements to the actual sense in which we're out in the world and what are the possibilities that god's calling them into in those environments fantastic and how do you equip the community members for that transition back into <laughs> daily I was going to say normal life but <laughs> daily life and whatever God's called them yeah. to afterwards how, how does that transition process work and it, is there a sense in which there's some culture shock associated sure. with that and how, how do you help the community members through that process yeah. I mean it's interesting for, the, for those who are immersed members in our community life who come here, they get the initial culture shock of coming in, that kind of settling period, and then of course they, this reverse moment of culture shock as they go back out, and it's huge. And um, I think uh, um, we are still working through this with people, I will be honest, and we have an alumni network uh, um, of people who've left, and that's been hugely beneficial because those who have gone before and now helping those who are coming out to track through and find the ways that they can readily bring all that they're learning into the realities of, of the life beyond. Yeah. For those who are integrated members who are here and already working, actually it's a much easier process because they haven't left anything necessarily. They've given up all of their annual leave often, or not quite all of it, but quite a lot of it. Quite a lot of time, so they gain all that back. But, but they... Um, but you know, in a sense that they they have remained in the same place to some degree, um, and that and that transition is therefore smoother. We have a rule of life as a community. It's been a really important document for us to, to pray with during the year to give a sense of a uh, backbone or a sense of guidance on um, how we operate. But we often need at the end of our period in the June time, just as people are, are coming towards the end, to, to work through that with people and say, well, okay, well, how is this going to now apply in your yeah. life beyond? Yeah. What kind of settings, um, what kind of small rules, you know, not big, like dramatic rules mm -hmm. can you put mm -hmm. in place to actually say, okay, this will help me center. Mm -hmm. You know, these things, you know, what can I make sure that I'm reading? What can I make sure that I'm praying about? Who do I need to be seeing? Um, where can I be finding silence? Yeah. What am I going to do about retreats yeah. uh, and these kind of things? What am I going to What big vision am I going to commit, yeah. in a sense, to, to seeking uh, um, in that regard? Just yeah. enabling them to sort of write those down. Yeah. We can come back to them, you know, and, and, and enable um, that process. But uh, yeah, it's not easy. Uh, um, you live in a palace. You get <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a strange thing to leave it as well. That's fascinating. One of uh, the formative experiences for me in, in my leadership was 
going and doing a master's at Fuller Seminary mm. in the States. And uh, there they, they went through the process with us of creating a rule of life mm. for us. And actually just that holistic view of yourself, yes. both spiritually, physically, in terms of hospitality, in terms of mission and reaching out, um, is something that's greatly benefited mm. me, not having lived in any kind of monastic um, community. If, if people, are, leaders are listening to this and they want to go about uh, thinking about, well, how do I holistically think about mm. my life and, and how do I think about a rhythm of life and a pace of life? Wh- where do they turn? Where do they look? What kind of resources are out there to help them do that? There are a huge amount. Some of them are directable from the website, so okay. it's a good place to go. I think I, I think one of the best um, organizations on personal rule stuff is the Franciscans, actually. Okay. They, they operate a tertiary movement, and um, they've got a brilliant tradition of um, they don't have a set rule for everyone. Yeah. They say you've always got to have an individual rule yeah. which you engage with a spiritual uh, a company or a director, and they have a really beautiful way of working that through with people. Mm-hmm. But th- these things are, are often very simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure you found with yours, you know, I, I actually showed me, showed me yours, so yeah, I've seen yeah, how yeah. yours is quite detailed, doesn't it? It's got quite a lot of different headings, but you know, you could just have three or four key points, you know, yes. maybe study, where am I? I mean, one of the three el- key elements of our community life are prayer, study, and service. Okay. You know, a great place to start. Yeah. You know, setting three principles around those for, for the year ahead. Uh, um, where am I? Where am I? Pra- how am I praying? Where am I praying? How am I ensuring that that's happening and part of my life so that I'm encountering God in the way that I need to? Where am I? Where am I serving others? Where am I actually making sure that I'm put in situations where I'm they're not normal for me? That I'm a bit out of, of sorts. I'm finding God in new ways. Where am I studying? What 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 am I reading? What are the inputs that I'm getting? I'm through those kind of dimensions. Yeah, hugely valuable. Do you see a, a bigger move through the church in general to help people in their discipleship in this way by thinking about rules of life and, and, and the monastic tradition? Do you see that happening more widely? We do, actually, and what's been fascinating for me, I've been here almost a year now, and pretty much twice a week I have somebody come through from either all over the world, across the diocese in the UK, and across not just Anglican, actually, all sorts of different traditions, talking about new communities they're setting up, talking about vows and rules of life, and and this kind of issue of kind of commitment, and it's all different shapes and forms, from intentional missional communities, which have been around for ages, the great work that all different people have been doing, the Abbeys and Thomas Crooks, you know, there's huge examples from across the traditions, both new and old, of stuff working on this. What's so exciting is it keeps, seems to be keep bubbling up, uh, and it's not reserved for the UK either. I mean, we can see it in America, in in Central America, we're seeing it in different parts of Africa, we're seeing it in New Zealand, you know. It's really capturing the imagination of Christians as I think they're finding that, yeah, the discipleship's great, and we all agree that that's something we need to be doing, I think, across the spectrum, but it's it's hard, actually. It's hard work, and we realise we need others to do that with, and we need a few things to hang on to as we're doing that with others. And actually... Committing to live in community with others is a great way of really um, ensuring that um, our discipleship is embedded in daily life, not just some intellectual kind of exercise. Um, We talk about sharing life here, and most of the real transformation happens in those moments of shared life as you really rub alongside each other and you're challenged. And it kind of roughs the knock edges, knocks the rough edges off in in that that sense. No, that's brilliant. Now, um, 
You're not a leadership course, we talked about. Yeah, no. (laughs) And yet there is a sense in which the kind of calibre of people who come through the course, young people who come through, um, and the way that you're shaping them is equipping them to be uh, leaders, whether that's leaders in name or leaders just because they're influential in the way that they're Mm. interacting with their communities. How do you talk to them about leadership? How do you equip them for for leading in the places that they're going to go on and serve in the future? Well, partly bringing you in, Simon, <laughs> and others, but you've been yeah. brilliant in that. And, and, and as, you, as you rightly said, we, we don't front and centre talk about leadership, mm-hmm. although we are absolutely a leadership programme. Yeah. Um, it's a central heart of Archbishop Justin's vision is mm-hmm. to equip and empower leaders for the future. Mm-hmm. He wants to see those leaders. He really wants to, talking about lay leadership here, yeah. because he has a vision yeah. for the church to be yeah to be much more embedded in regards to the lay leadership actually not that he's not interested in in ordained people but actually it's the lay people it's the it's it's most people who need yes. to be leading in, in that sense what we see um in our own program is that when we thinking about leadership we're thinking about how we embed people in christ which means that their leadership is christ-centered so that's where we start yeah. We start in that process. We start in the healing. We start in that knowledge of the love of God which rests within you. Which you know that actually if you are leading from that place in your life, that actually it's safe. Because of course we know that there's some fantastic Christian leaders out there and they've been inspirational. But you know we know how easy it is if you're not leading from that place to fall. Because we think that it's in our own strength, but we actually it's not. It's in Christ's strength, isn't it? All that we do, uh, and um, we we start there because we believe, um, in a sense, that we can get that right. That that other stuff will lead through from that. But what's so great for us is bringing in others who are experts in this, because we're not experts in leadership, to to really push the questions about leadership for people. I mean, Simon, when you came, you talked a lot about character. You know, again, you know, it's not primarily talking about leadership. It's about centering on those dimensions of our own personal experience, the way we act and behave, um, which if we lead from those places. Well, yeah. The world can change. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in terms of your own walk, how does one become dean of the community? Yeah. <laughs> so, don't give too much away because people might want to apply for your job having heard you. But you know, well, how do you how do you uh, get into the role of being dean, and what's prepared you, I suppose, for for leading this community in this way now? So um, I'm, I'm ordained, but only relatively recently. So I'm actually technically still a curate in the Church of England, uh, um, which is a, a strange experience. We won't dwell there, um, but it is good. Um, but actually most of my historic background has been working with churches and governments and others overseas internationally. Uh, um, I ran a management consultancy company for 10 years, um, working internationally, working with um, governments in, and churches in different countries. Okay. Now, what I learned there, yeah. that's what I bring here, is about work ethic and about how we centre in Christ in difficult situations. Most of the work I did was in post-conflict countries in very, very difficult environments. What I drew on the most here present in this community is the experience of having to really grand get down and make good decisions in bad places, in difficult times. Yeah. And actually, yeah. like we talked about before, that's what we're trying to prepare yeah. these pe- young people for, actually. Yeah. So yeah, I know a bit about managing stuff from that and other <laughs> sorts of pieces as well. I know a bit about the church from being yeah. ordained, yeah. and that helps, yeah. and that's no bad thing. I know a bit about the diversity of the world, 
and the kind of different cultures and experiences and that's been quite helpful bringing that perspective in there because it's actually not easy being a very diverse community we don't set ourselves an easy challenge all the different christian <laughs> traditions and uh, you know it's um it, it's pretty complex yeah you have a bit of conflict management I'm indeed sure conflict do. management yeah yeah they've got not got guns thankfully so that that helps uh, 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 <laughs> that wasn't always the case in the past that's fascinating and in terms of your own leadership journey you talked a lot about uh, being centered on christ is there anything else that you've learned in that leadership journey which is fundamental to the way that you approach leading this community I, I think the um, the big challenge for me is is how or the big learning for me is how how we respond when things don't go well okay. when the challenging times come in yeah. and um, I know I've had those in my own life mm-hmm. where I felt God to be so far away I can't imagine how we come back yeah. Yeah. and um, I think uh, the ability to be able to say that's okay for people to be that place but actually still find hope um, is the key key thing that we want to see within our community's life because um, it's not always easy but actually we believe in a God is so much bigger than these problems and the challenges that we, we may face in any given situation and that if we as leaders can be vulnerable and recognize that we need to be able to share the fact that we don't always get it right that we make mistakes um, that we're not fall- infallible uh, um, it enables us to be so much stronger uh, um, and it enables this community to be so much stronger as well and the potential for what the members leaving here can do when they can recognize that in their own lives. And, and as a leader, if you're being vulnerable within the community, you're, you're giving permission on you for others to express themselves yeah. and express their hurts. And how, how do you create a safe environment for that? to happen uh, in a community like this. You, you touched on safety earlier and it's something I'm really yeah. uh, engaged with at the moment. You know, how, 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 how do we become safe ourselves as leaders, but also how do we create a safe environment for other people to really take the risk of being vulnerable, take the risk of being holy themselves? How, how, how do you do that? Uh, we have a, for me, it's a really important factor, this issue of safety, and I can think of a key moment. I'm in a retreat where I shared some of my testimony. And um, literally, you could feel a moment change in the air, which gave permission for others to come forward and to share. Um, but like you say, you actually, you, you can only do that if you know you've got the right um, parameters and boundaries in place to support people through that process. So a big focus for us is how people journey through our community life. Everybody has a spiritual company when they come with us, somebody to journey with. Okay. And, and is that's, that a peer or is that... No, it's not a peer. So that'll be somebody who's further along on the journey than you. Okay. Yeah. It's usually somebody older, um, maybe not that much older. Sometimes it's former members, sometimes okay. it's members of other religious communities, sometimes it's people who are spiritual directors. Yeah. They're not there to really offer advice per se, yeah. but they're just there to mirror back, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and provide that kind of go-to place. Yeah. Within that, also within the community life, we have sharing groups, okay. which are smaller groups, about seven or eight, which are always led by a leader within the community. Um, we have rules around how we share, that you receive everybody's offering as a gift, yeah. that you don't judge each other, you don't comment on what each other is saying, and you give each other a chance to speak. Yeah. Yeah. These sorts of facets within a community's life enable that permission to speak, but also create the environment where people can be safe in sharing and going much more deeply yeah. within that. Um, 
put in that that setting in that sense um we also take as i talked about before mental health factors really seriously yeah. We, yeah. you know and um we are very conscious of those dimensions of the life and we tackle them quite head on and um, if people do declare any of those kind of dimensions for community life, we put in plans in place, we get in contact with psychiatrists, we use lots of medical professionals in regards okay. to the community okay. life. Okay. Not just to ensure yeah. that people are always safe. Safeguarding again is a huge factor yeah. for us um, in, in the community's life, as you can imagine where we're set. Yeah? Yeah. We take that sort of stuff really, yeah, really absolutely. seriously. Yeah. Um, again, it's not because it's not because we think there's gonna be a problem or because people are particularly problematic. It's just because yeah. actually as a leader, keeping people safe for me yeah. is 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 the most important thing. Actually, oh, absolutely the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, in my own leadership, creating a safe environment is so important to enable people to take risks and to be challenged and to step out into things that they otherwise wouldn't be yeah. willing to get engaged. Exactly. With. They don't feel safe. They're not going to do that. No. Okay, look, looking back at, if you can try and remember back when you were the age of the community member coming in, <laughs> um, what do you wish you knew then, when you were 18, 19, that you know now? Yeah, I think the, the, the key thing for me that I really wish, that I can remember I started my first big job when I was in my early 20s. And uh, it was, uh, I worked for Coventry Cathedral, it's quite a big job, uh, working overseas, and you know what I didn't have? I didn't have any work ethic. I didn't have any understanding of how I really buttoned down and structured my time, and, um, and really, yeah, this sort of sense of developing a, an ethic of work and um, faith in my daily rhythm. If I'd had that then, yeah. like I have that now. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a sense which you, you've got to learn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and what were the critical moments for you in learning that? What you know, I think there were, there were the, the big one for me was uh, uh, when I first worked for myself. I ran my own company and I was working overseas and I suddenly, it was a whole new ballpark. I was suddenly totally responsible. Yeah. And uh, I had to, to really see that um, you needed to take this sense of how you used your time so much more seriously. Yeah. Uh, the preciousness of that time. Yeah. Um, and... Um, um, and the possibility of what that time used well could could do, uh, um, and as I said, really enabling that possibility of saying, what what do I do during my work through my work? What what is what is that about? Not just kind of falling into that, but really intentionally saying, okay, yeah, this is this is my time, and this is the time that God's given me. What what am I going to do with that? Um, and how am I going to use that for other people? How am I going to use that for myself in that sense or connect with God? And, you know, being more deliberate and intentional in that regards. I think um, if I'd had the input that we give our community members yeah. in terms of the rule of life and the, the spiritual practices, yeah. these possibilities of healing back when I was in my early 20s. Yeah, yeah I just, I, it's just a huge, I, you know, okay, it's our programme, but uh, I think it's a huge gift. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, if people want to find out about how they come and be part of this community, either as lay people or, or, or residents, well, where do they go? Where do they look? And uh, what's the kind of time frame to do that as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a great time. Uh, um, we are launching our, our membership for integrated members. Those are the people who are living across London or the South East who want to come and join the community on a Monday night and be part of this programme focused on um, integrating spiritual formation with your working life. Yeah. 
uh, applications are open now for that. Go on the website at synanthelm.org.uk, have a look at what's going on there, um, respond to things. Also see us on Twitter and on Instagram and you'll find the ways of connecting in. Um, yeah, there's loads of videos there as well. You know, real, hopefully you get a sense of, of what we're about and uh, what we're welcoming you into in terms of belonging to this community. Fantastic. And the Monday night I spent here a few weeks ago was just incredible in terms of the buzz from the community and their, their love and care for one another was yeah. very, very evident, but also their willingness to engage in difficult questions and to debate. And uh, I just went away, away buzzing. So uh, just really grateful for what you're doing um, and uh, applaud what you're doing as well in terms of uh, preparing future leaders. So Simon Lewis, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. No, thank you. It's been such a blessing. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your feedback and are always open to suggestions of who you'd like to hear on the podcast. Do drop us a line at hello at forge-leadership.com or visit our website forge-leadership-podcast.com. Have a great week.